Where else can you go to not only find the information on how to train your dog, but the best deals on training equipment as well? Standing Stone Supply has everything you need to create that next versatile champion from DT system electronics down to even emergency med kits to take with you on your hunting trips. If you need some help with your training program, then their step-by-step -step online course might be a great fit for you, making it a convenient one-stop shop for the knowledge as well as the gear to take your training to the next level. Hit up standingstonesupply.com and promo code GDIY will save you 10%. As someone who constantly travels to new locations out of state to hunt, I have to rely on map scouting before I even get in the truck. Onyx Hunt Maps makes it super easy for me to plan out my trips as well as track my success while on the trip. The offline maps along with the tracking feature and ability to add pictures to my waypoints means I can always reference old trips and hunts to better prepare for the next. When planning your next hunt, be sure to use Onyx to put you and your dog in the best situation you can. Use code GDIY20 at checkout to save 20% and know where you stand with Onyx. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. The best way to sum up gun introduction is slow down, take your time, know your dog, and use common sense. Welcome back to another week of GDIY. We're coming from uh, Park Falls, Wisconsin this week. We're on the road. And uh, we're out here trying to shoot some grouse and woodcock and uh, maybe some ducks later on. And Austin, his dogs had a little surprise for him today. We'll, we'll touch on that here in a little bit. But uh, Austin, what's going on, man? Just taking in the, in the Northwoods, man. Northwoods. taking it all in. What's your first impression of the, uh, the woodcock and grouse situation up here? Because this is your first trip up here. I've been up here once before, yeah. but this is your first time. Oh, it's it's great. I mean, obviously the bird population's there. We all had quite a bit. I I had a lot of woodcock contacts today. I think we put up probably eight to ten on the day. But I know I had one wild flush on some grouse and and had some contacts. So can't complain about that. Yeah. So it's primarily been woodcock for everybody. But uh, this evening I did see. A lot of grouse movement. Unfortunately, it, it's been super windy, and they've had kind of bad rainy weather here lately. But uh, the the grouse were super flighty today. You couldn't get any dog work in on them. And, I mean, anytime you or the dog got within 40 or 50 yards, they were busting out. And, yeah. Uh, but they're there. I saw them. So, hopefully, in the next couple of days, we can at least put some good dog work on them and uh, come away with some grouse in addition to uh, the woodcock. But, uh Good day for me. I know uh, I bagged my few birds, and Rachel got some uh, action. Shot one over her, and then shot two over Lucy. So it was a good day for me. And uh, you want to tell everybody about the excitement on your end today? Dogs always keep it exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so, old Cash, Cash Money. Yeah, uh, this is his first wild bird hunt. About to turn a year old, and. Anyhow, he was figuring out the woodcock game, and shortly after, he had his first 
point and me missing a woodcock uh, over him, he proceeded to find a porcupine. Now, did he do that to punish you because you missed the woodcock? I don't know, but it sucked. <laughs> he 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 was on a hot track and he was going straight to it and tried to call him off because I had a feeling something was up. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, GPS said he was about 104 yards away, and all of a sudden, I hear him crying and and it uh, it's one of those feelings where you're like, oh God, what's happened? And uh, he was not coming back after that so i just took off towards him and when i found him he um, was trying to get the quills out and he had quills in his mouth his um, front leg really bad and and on the right leg uh, not many on the right but um, yeah we've you know i got the ones out of the mouth immediately and then got him back to the truck uh got the first aid kit out and started pulling out what we could and and really we got everything uh that was showing you know and then after we were done felt on the uh front left leg and it feels like there's a handful of quills that are under the skin so we have a vet appointment scheduled in the morning now Mm. for old cash well, everybody listening, this this is how dedicated Austin his do- dogs are to this podcast. They knew that we just finished up the uh, the vet series with Wit in the past couple weeks, and so they wanted to apply some of the stuff that we discussed in those episodes in the field today. I think I'm gonna stop talking about like <laughs> things that like may happen during the podcast because they have happened now like more than once so well given the the recent episodes and today what was something that learning experience anything good come out of this silver lining like yeah so the silver lining here well i guess let's go back so some learning experiences number one you know nick and i weren't hunting together on this but uh he was parked near me when we were walking back when cash and i were walking back i heard nick shoot and i knew he was fairly close it was a good thing because i packed my first aid kit made it all nice and pretty got everything in there that i needed and i left it at the cabin so luckily i knew nick was close by and i yelled at nick and i said hey man i need your help and and we used his first aid kit to get all this stuff out so obviously guys Bring your first aid kit, especially when you take the time to pack one up and make sure you got everything in it, you know, um, make sure to, to, to bring that. So, so field pack goes in the field. You know what else would help? What's that? The gunner kennel. Gunner kennels. If he was in the gunner, I don't think the porcupine would have got to him. Then, I mean, he's got to go out and hunt. Yeah, but. You know, we're just talking about gunners right now and how safe they are. So if you're interested in a kennel, gunner kennel is the only way to go. It's the only crash rated uh, kennel out there on the market, lifetime rated. It's uh, got everything that you need to keep your dog cool, safe, comfortable, uh, even protect you from those crazy porcupines in Wisconsin. So, uh, Austin, what do, what do you think about that? Yeah, and so if you do not want uh, to have porcupine quills, Either, then I would recommend that you go to the website, get you a gunner kennel. Gundogityourself.com. Gundogityourself.com. Go down and click on the gunner kennel link there and 
and go buy yourself one. Yeah. If you uh, if you're on the market for a kennel, please use that link. It really goes a long way to help out the podcast and uh, show who uh, sent you to Gunner. And then uh, what what else would help you with porcupine quills, Austin? I think duck camp clothing. Duck camp clothing? Did that help you out? Did it protect you from the uh, porcupine? Well, honestly, I can't say whether it did or it didn't. I mean, I was wearing duck camp, and I didn't personally get porcupine quills in me. I think that's so, a success story. Yeah, but I mean, it, it couldn't hurt. No, absolutely not. But in all seriousness, uh, duck camp, uh, we're we're enjoying their apparel up here in Wisconsin. It's uh, holding up really well. It's really comfortable. They have everything that you need in the outdoors. It's not just uh, duck duck apparel or wing shooting apparel, but they have everything for uh, fishing apparel with bamboo shirts and uh, and uh, shirts. Anything to keep you cool. Anything to keep you warm in the winter. Got, Go check them out. Go uh, hit them up on uh, their website, duckcamp.com. And uh, if you purchase something, tell them that we sent you. When you get it, uh, tag us and them on on your social media posts. Just let them know that GDIY sent you, and it would really help us out. Yeah, no, I'm actually, I'm really enjoying the stuff that they gave us. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm digging the hat, always wearing the hat. And the shirt, it's, it's holding up. I'm going good. So, Nick, let's go ahead and get into this thing. What are we talking about tonight? I don't even know. I think we're doing intro work. Intro work. That, All kinds of it. Is that uh, We've been getting a lot of questions about intro level stuff here lately. You're going to be doing some water intro, bird intro, gun intro. Any other intros? Porcupine intros? There's, I'm sure there's a bunch of other intros. Yeah. And we're gonna, we'll hit on them when we, when we come across them. But which one do you want to do first? I don't know. That's up to you. I'll let you decide. I'm just along for the ride tonight. I'll let you steer steer the ship tonight. Do the gun. Gun, the important one. Uh, seriously, we uh, we're all training gun dogs here, and if you don't do this right and take your time and think about it the smart way, uh, if you if you have a gun shy dog, it doesn't really do a whole lot of good to have a gun dog that doesn't enjoy the gun, right? Yeah. For sure, and uh, I guess the the first thing that we need to kind of hit on is when to do that, and um, we we could even really go back and making sure that you have done your research as far as uh, what what you know where the dog came from and things like that, and making sure that it doesn't come from any lineage where there's gun sensitivity or anything that may be noted. Yeah. Uh, something as like the uh na test and navda it, it'll notate if they, if there's a progeny report or a consistent issue among uh among the genetics that may have a uh, gun shyness or or sensitivity but uh i'm of the opinion i'm kind of from the school that dogs aren't born gun shy they're main, made gun shy and so the way i look at it is if you don't introduce the gun properly or effectively then uh your your dog wasn't just born to where it wasn't going to like gunfire. And we've all talked to the people. They're like, yeah, well, I took my gun to the gun or my dog to the gun range and it's just fine right now. Well, odds are your dog would have been fine with doing that either way. And it's the dog that would have been, that was going to be 50 50 if you take to the gun range and you just start firing off rounds right next to them when they 
you know, shy away from that. That that's the dog that we're worried about. That's the dog that we're trying to prevent because those dogs, those puppies, whatever level that you're at, just because they don't respond well to gunfire doesn't mean that they're they would make a bad gun dog. It's just you have to take your time at doing it and doing it correctly. Yeah. So the first thing that that I typically do, and I think that Nick has done this now, um, you start out very small. It's a baby steps. The whole thing, you know, with all this is is baby steps. And uh, what I did is, uh, first off, I want to say Nick and I, we both don't do the the method where you're banging pots and pans over the the puppies as they're eating. You know, you want to associate gunfire um with with field related things stuff that gunfire is actually associated with your dog's not gonna i mean typically you're not gonna go feed your dog in the middle of the field while gunfire is going off of so really all you're doing is just making a lot of loud noise and potentially stressing out the dog while it's eating for no apparent reason and uh, dogs, like we've said a million times, they learn by association. So if they're sitting there eating and you're banging pots and pans over their head, that does not mean that they're going to go out in the field and associate the gunshot or a loud noise with what you're trying to communicate to it because there's no bowl of food there. It's not in a controlled environment. It's not in the kitchen where you feed it, wherever you feed it, the kennel, whatever. It just it doesn't translate. And I think that's kind of one of the old school methods that seems to thankfully be kind of dying out. A lot of people are finally realizing that that's kind of just a, just kind of a strange way of looking at things right uh, here lately. Yeah. I think the logic behind it is that, you know, that's an exciting time for the dog and they get amped up to eat, you know? So therefore I think that uh, the logic is, is they wouldn't be as easily, um, scared if, if they're amped up eating, you know, when a, when a, a loud noise goes off. So they're to translate that then into the field, you know, that's a whole different ball game. I mean, it's apples and oranges, yeah, you know, there's nothing being moved from the, from when you're feeding that dog out into the field. So when we're shooting around the dogs, we're shooting around game, we're shooting around birds. So what we want to do is we want to try and introduce that dog to gunfire around the birds and and around the drive that it's going to associate with that that gunfire. Yeah, and I think the the drive what you just talked about is the most important aspect of this because you know, we're talking about introducing the gun around game. I think for me at least the initial introduction to some noise comes from a drive related to maybe it's retrieving or or a chase or whatever you know and um but that's even still associated with game right right it's not live game but it's still associated with the actual game some type of field work yeah right and so typically the the first steps um that i've done is is try to build up you know a little bit of that retrieving drive when they're little puppies you know by throwing things and just getting them all excited about retrieving and just building that up and and um moving into the very first noise that's associated being just a 
small cap gun that I went and purchased from Dollar General. Yeah. You know, Dollar Store cap gun. Yeah. And uh, it, it's literally one of those old pistols that you used to play with when you were a kid and, you know, does a little uh, smoke, you know, after you fire it. <laughs> but that's that's what I used with both uh, Cash and Scout when I was doing the gun intro. And that was when I had them all excited when they were pretty young, you know, as pups and uh, with retrieving. And, and I, would, I would throw something and while they're chasing that, then just fire off that cap and it's not loud guys i mean it's just a it's a noise that um is it's just a very minimal level noise when you're introducing or doing that retrieve at the front end of of a of the of the uh cycle there yeah and so you, you're not obviously replacing actual gunfire with a cap gun this is just an introduction like he said it's baby steps so you start off with the cap gun and you do that with some retrieves or chases or, or whatever you're doing and then uh then you move on to birds or live game of some sort it depends on what type of dog you have uh, you know, obviously you can do it with squirrels or coons or whatever the heck you need to use this with. Obviously we, we did birds. And so, uh, we did not just go from a cap gun to shooting a 12 gauge load right over the head of them in the field with the bird. So you want to tell everybody kind of what transition did you make going from the cap gun to the field? Right. So, for both dogs, what I've done, did the cap gun with the retrieves in the backyard, and then I moved on and did a 410 shot. And, um, you know, shooting it really, so Scout, I did a little different than Cash, but the the basic idea is, is that you're some distance away. Whoever has the 410 is at least... 50 yards away on the first shot, potentially even further away. It does not hurt, hurt, hurt to start, start further away. Okay. It does not hurt to go slow on this yeah. guys. And obviously it's about knowing your dog and the temperament and everything, but you want to be cautious. And, um, what I did basically is try to get the dog on, uh, a bird and allow it to chase and mid chase, uh, throw a hand up and signal to somebody to shoot the 410 from the far distance away. And that's how the, the next step was. And if they're used to, you know, that small cap gun going off or whatever, then most of the time, if you're shooting a 410 at a decent distance, then there's not going to be any acknowledgement. And if there is, then you can always back up. Yeah, that's it. Ideally, you're looking for no acknowledgement whatsoever. You don't want them to stop and look kind of inquisitive, saying, well, hey, what, what the heck was that? You don't want them, you sure as heck don't want them tucking their tails or ears or timidness or running back to the owner. Uh, no reaction whatsoever is the best, uh, but depending on what kind of reaction you get, that's what you're going to have to judge uh, for yourself on how to move forward with your own dog. But, uh, so I, pretty similar with me, I used, uh, just a 12 gauge primer load. You can get them on gun dog supply. It's not even as loud as the, the blanks, which some blanks are just freaking cannon. So just because it's a blank, don't think that it's safe to go shoot over your dog for gun intro. But, uh, yeah, just like you use a 410, I use a 12 gauge primer. I start off 50 plus yards away, no reaction. I move, you know, maybe 25 yards away again, no reaction. I'll move up a little closer next, 
you know, right on top of them. And you just baby step it on up. If there's any reaction from the dog, take your time. I, I can't stress that enough. You, the whole point of this, of training a dog, is to be able to shoot around your dog. So if you have a gun-shy dog, none of this is worth it. Right. It's not going to pay off. So it is better on the front end to take an extra month or two even not to say that it's going to take an extra month or two, but it, it, it's better to do that on the front end to prevent any gun shy or gun sensitivity issues than on the back end where it's going to take even longer. I mean, eight, ten months to try and and fix this gun shy issue. You can fix it, but it's it's yeah. a pain and it takes a long time to fix. Yeah, it's a long road, and and what Nick's talking about, if you see any reaction, you know, depending on the type of reaction that you get, you may just want to stop altogether that day, okay, and potentially build just the bird drive or game drive up and then go back to it. Yeah. So it's not something that, you know, if you you see a negative reaction to the point where the dog acts a little timid, then just end it at yep. that that day and go back you know three or four days later or or if you think you need more time build the bird drive up for another few more weeks yes and do it and here's another tip dogs are place oriented if they have a bad experience say you shoot too heavy of a load too close to them too soon and they acknowledge it in a bad way don't just wait until the next day or two days from then and do the exact same type of lesson in the same exact field because they're place-oriented. They're going to associate that particular field with the negative results. Change up the field, change up the location, change up even the bird scent or whatever. Change up, Just change it up. Don't, don't just say, oh, it didn't like it today, so I'm just going to stop and do it tomorrow because tomorrow you're probably going to have the same results. So figure it out. Be smart about it. It's common sense. Yeah. No, I mean, absolutely. I agree on that. But one thing that I want to hit on, and we may talk about this during the bird intro section of this later on, but um, I don't introduce the shot the first time that my dog is – pointing and then chasing a bird right in my mind that's a lot on a puppy to first experience a bird contact and to point and then chase you know i mean let i i do a whole separate you know training session on that and i'll do that maybe for two training sessions or three before introducing a shot yeah you know some people will do it all at one time no problem um yeah you know but at this point, like we're talking about, might as well take it slow, baby steps, just get the bird intro, get the get the game drive built up, just like you worked on getting the retrieving drive built up. Get those drives built and get that foundation laid and then overlay that noise in the in the gunfire after the dog knows what's going on. And that's a good point. And then another thing, I know a lot of this is pretty much just warnings of what not to do instead of seemingly how to do it. But uh, if you go through all these steps and you go through the baby steps and you you get up to where you can shoot a 20 or 12 gauge load over the top of, of your dog at a bird, don't automatically assume your dog is good. That, oh, my dog's not gun shy. I'm good to go. And then you go take them in a duck blind with four 
four people shooting around them, three loads each. Take your time, even going into the field for the first time hunting, the duck blind, whatever. Realize the limits that you've put on this dog. That dog has only been around a limited amount of gunfire from one source in the field while you're introducing the gun. So you putting it in the uh, field blind or, or duck blind or whatever, and you have multiple guns firing off, boom, 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 right after another, that dog may flip out after that. Yeah, and that brings up another issue as well. Going back to knowing your dog, okay? If you are doing or have not yet done the gun intro, do not, you know, if you're going to a training day and you got to park close to wherever the the shooting field is, I would recommend that you go park farther away. You know, I, I personally don't even like getting my dogs in the it's sitting in the back of my truck you know 50 yards from the field and they're they're you know introduced to gunfire and everything to this point it's just a whole lot of unnecessary loud noises for a dog that has not been introduced you know if you were doing a puppy you don't want to bring them around the training field until nope. you've got confidence that it's okay around the gun absolutely so i mean it it really is the best way to sum up gun introduction is slow down, take your time, know your dog, and use common sense. Yeah. That, that's really it. You cannot go too slow. Some other people may laugh at you or say you're going too slow. Well, ignore them. Who cares? They're not the ones that you know spent the money and time and energy on your dog. That's you. I Again, take the extra three, four, five weeks if you need it. To, so that you feel comfortable in doing it the first time and it'll save you 10 months on the back end trying to fix a gun shy dog afterwards yeah and do we need to tie this together then at the end we talked about how you you scoot forward and and do all that i mean obviously guys it, the end goal is like when nick was talking about being able to shoot over your dog with a 12 gauge you know we did i did 410 then 20 then 12 that was over multiple training sessions and scooting forward, starting farther back each time and scooting forward, you know, uh, 25 yards or 20 yards at a time until you are over the, over the dog, you know? So once you've done that and you've done it, you know, for a full training session like that, no reaction from the dog and, you know, in a negative way, um, then I would say that you've introduced the, the, dog properly to gunfire that does not mean that they're completely fine with gunfire it means they've been introduced so everything that we're talking about today is just an introduction level so it doesn't mean that they're refined in it they're just they've just been it's a way that it's a way that you are making sure there's a positive association with the noise with the gun yeah and you know it's it's Something just like anything, intro is an intro. You could obviously do an intro correctly and then screw it up later down the road. But this is about introducing it properly so that you've built a foundation and that the dog is not afraid of it, is confident, you know, seeing a gun. I mean, that's one thing is that some dogs can, you can actually see that they aren't happy around guns you know that's it's something that may induce some fear in them so it's about introducing all that so you don't have any of those issues yeah 
the the end result is you want a dog that you can reliably shoot around obviously and not have any issues but you want the dog that that gunfire gives them a little bit of a kick yeah gives them a shot of adrenaline let them get uh all pumped up and ready to go and send that drive into overdrive and uh We've all seen those dogs that you get a little something extra just because there's a gun around. Mm-hmm. They know it's business. Yep, absolutely. So what's what's the next introduction level? Let's do water. Water. I think this is one of the most, I, I, I don't know the, the right word for it, but I think th- this is honestly the most overthought process with a puppy. Like, I, I don't understand. It should not be as complicated as most people think make it out to be. Yeah. Uh, most dogs will go in the water. Now, if your dog is eight weeks old and you want the dog to go in the water and you go chunk it into, you know, a 30-degree pool or pond, it's going to associate negative stuff with that pond or, or pool or whatever. But introduction to water is not that complicated no it goes back to and this is how i taught both of my dogs as well that retrieving drive that i was talking about earlier just building that up with them and it segues right into hey if they're going to chase it down a hallway or chase it in the yard hopefully they'll chase it in the water and that's one yeah. way that you can do it and so you're taking something that the dog enjoys which is retrieving or chasing game however you want to look at it the, the chase drive you throw the bumper in there, the dog will go get it. Not every dog, obviously, but most of these decent, well, you know, bred lines of versatile dogs or retrievers or so on and so forth, they will go under the water after that. Now, you're not doing this on, again, a winter day. You're doing this on a, a nice warm spring day or summer day or whatever to where the water's not frigid, but... You're just throwing the bumper out there, something that the dog knows and enjoys and associates positive things with, and then it's going to transition over into the water. Yeah. And I, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Were you done, Nick? No, you're good. Go ahead. Okay. So one thing is that Nick talked earlier about we're listing a lot of things that are things that you shouldn't do. Okay. Um, with this, it, you know, Nick was hitting on this a minute ago. Don't try to do water intro with your dog when it's December, February, you know, anytime like that in the winter, whatever. Wait. You know, it can wait. I promise. Yeah. So, with that same regard, don't just go throw your dog in the water. Don't take showers with the dog. Don't put a life jacket on your dog. Don't do any of that weird gimmicky stuff because the dog is a dog is going to swim. It's just a matter of how and when. And so you doing a lot of that unnecessary stuff, especially the, 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 the red flag is just going to throw your dog in the water. If your dog doesn't have any chase drive, it doesn't have any retrieve drive. And so throwing a bumper into the water won't work. Okay. That's fine. We've all seen those dogs. You know what will work? You getting a pair of waders or hip boots and walking out in the water. Yeah. And here's one thing I'll say with that. I've seen people actually use what I think you would call leash tension or whatever. They'll they'll wait out in the water and they'll have a leash on the dog and then pull them in. And then pull them in. Don't do that. You want 
you want the dog's decision to go into the water be a hundred percent their decision. That that is the key to this, and I'm glad you hit on that because at the end of the day, it's got to be the dog's own commitment and confidence in doing that. It's the dog. A dog that is confident about water is going to get in the water. And so if the dog on its own volition decides, okay, now it's my time to swim, gets in the water, it's going to build its confidence, and it will do it again. You just keep building that confidence. You don't pull the dog in the water. You don't throw the dog into the water. You don't get on a kayak and go out in the middle of the lake and drop them in in and and then kayak around. You let that dog make its own decision to get in the water first. Absolutely. So there's two main ways to get a dog to go into the water. Use its own prey drive and retrieve drive by throwing something that it, it, it associates positive things within the water for it to go get. If that doesn't work, then get some waders, hip boots, whatever, muck boots, and go out in the water and call the dog to you. Don't force it in, but call it in there. There are some dogs that will just... Go, go nuts on the bank and will not come in on that. There's very few and far between that those few dog, you know, first few uh, two examples that we were just talking about doesn't work, but there are those, the, those dogs that don't like those. Another way of doing it is, and this one, I use it a lot, but I do understand some people's reluctancy to it. It's using other dogs that love water to play with that dog around water and then it's going to draw that puppy out. And, and the reason why I understand the, some people's reluctancy to it is because there, there are elements that are out of your control with that. When you have multiple dogs that are, you know, they're playing around and, uh, they may splash or rough house with the dog or whatever while it's in the water, while it's in the water and, and, not that the puppy is really going to take necessarily everything bad about that, but there is, it's just another element that's out of your control. And what, what we've talked about before in these training environments and especially introduction, introduction levels, you want a hundred percent control of everything that can and might happen in these situations. And so while this method can work and I've used it plenty of times myself, it's a little bit more difficult to try and have control over the entire sequence. You, if you're going to use that method, you obviously need to make sure that all of the dogs that are going to be swimming or attempting to swim get along, okay? Um, and you need to make sure that they've been introduced so that you don't have a situation where you know, a dog is trying to swim over the top of another dog, won't, you know, leave one of the other dogs alone. You want them to be friendly to one another and do that. And the thought is, is that the dogs that swim really well and don't have any timidness around the water, they're going to get in. And the ones that are not as confident are going to see that and then follow suit. Absolutely. And Nick hit on this a minute ago. You know, one of the ways is prey drive. Um, Nick was talking about, you know, the retrieving aspect is, is I think with the prey drive, but if a dog does not have drive to chase or retrieve a plastic bumper, and let's say maybe you've tried the, having multiple dogs that do swim, you know, 
um, be around the dog that's not swimming and that dog's still not getting in the water. Uh, you can use prey drive, prey drive and get a bird and pull some flight feathers out and put it on the water and, and let that, that, that movement and that live bird draw the dog into the water. Absolutely. And that's something that we do a lot as well. So you want you hit on that and tell them some things to, to do with that. Yeah. So again, this is, uh, if the other, the first three methods that we talked about don't work, then I would go with this one using a duck or some whatever prey that your your dog's after. Whether you can, it could even be a coon hound. Honestly, I've seen people tra- train with coons that swim across the water and everything. But uh, again, the, kind of the same thing that I was talking about with other dogs. You have less control over what happens, and so I I save those two for last. You, you just want 100% control over it. But if you need it and you need that, that extra just nudge for the dog to make the decision on its own and that dog does have a strong prey drive but it didn't have the retrieve drive, it didn't want to come to you when you're standing in the water in the hip boots and it didn't care whether its friends wanted to go in the water, maybe a shackled duck will just draw it out. Yeah. So you just take the shackled duck, throw it out there, and just wait until that dog wants that duck so bad that it's going to go in there after it on its own. Yeah, and one thing that I have, uh, one tip with that that I've seen um, is use a small pond. Uh, if you use a pond that is you know, large, then the dog, first off, I think a larger body of water to a dog that's doing the water intro is a little intimidating. If you use a small pond and one that, number one, is less intimidating looking to a dog and number two, contains the duck a little better, then that dog's going to have more inclination to get in the water and then more opportunities to actually retrieve that duck once it gets in the water because that duck may run out of water to you know, used to escape the, the, the chase. So, uh, that there's a tip with that, um, as well. Uh, and one other thing is that Nick used the term shackled duck. It is a good idea in this instance, you know, one aspect of using this method is you like the movement because that is what's going to draw, should draw a dog into the bird. Right. But I have in the past shackled one wing so that it holds the one wing back and doesn't hit a dog in the face when it's going to get the duck. If if that's the first time that that dog's actually been out in the water, you know, you don't want them to have a bad experience like that. Well, while you're doing that, yeah, you might be introducing water, but if it may be the first time that you're introducing a duck. Yeah. So you're you're kind of mixing in two introductions. So you kind of in a way, unless you introduce that dog to a duck on dry land or something, you don't know 100% sure what kind of reaction you're getting whether it's from the water or from the duck or both or what. And that kind of goes into what I was talking about just control overall control of the situation. Sometimes when you're dealing with an older dog, say you have a dog that's just never liked water or had a bad experience and it's 4, 5, 6 years old, and you just need to get it in the water. Uh, shackled duck is really the only way to go, in my opinion, when you're dealing with an older dog. But when you're dealing with a puppy, those first three methods should knock it out for you without an issue. 
Yeah, one thing that we didn't hit on is the uh, water entry. Um, the best thing is for you to have a kind of almost like a boat ramp. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm talking as far as like the incline into the water. You want something that is a gradual, um, you know, decline, I guess, into the water. You want something that goes down slightly and is an easy way for the dog to be able to get into that body of water and get out. You don't want them to have to dive in. You don't want there to be overgrown shrubbery right there for the first time or grass or cattails or whatever. You want it to be easy in and out so that it, it you know, they don't have to think about it too much. No way, bro, man. We got, we're going for the dock diving championship here. That's next, dude. We got <laughs> We got an intro first. Ever. <laughs> no fun. I know it. So, uh, you got anything else to add on the water intro? No, that's about it. Just don't go throw your dog in a frozen pool and wonder why it doesn't like to swim. Yeah. That's, that's really it. <laughs> All right. So let's do a bird intro. Bird intro. So there's a lot of, I'm not going to say that this one is overthought more, more than water, but, uh, it is kind of overthought in some regards, but in other regards, not so much. So while uh, a lot of people, when they first get into this, they kind of worry about the uh, introducing the bird because, number one, they want to make sure that, the again, the dog has a great, great experience and associate positivity with the bird, but then... They have everything, all kinds of worries from, is that bird too big? Is it too mean? Is it going to bite the dog? Is it, you know, what happens with my dog's been introduced to quail but not pheasant? There's all kinds of questions out there that a lot of people kind of, they overthink it. But then sometimes you really do need to be cognizant of the fact that a pheasant might be a little too intimidating for a nine, ten week old pup if, if for whatever reason you're doing bird intro at that that early of an age. So there there are some legitimate concerns with that. So I'm not gonna knock it as much as the water entry, but uh yeah, it's just like the water entry, it's this and gun any kind of introduction, it's baby steps, you break it down and you just go with common sense. Yeah, so um, what I hit on earlier with shackling one of the wings on the duck, you know, um, I've seen, and I know that there are some famous methods for teaching where people want to do the uh, the bird intro with pigeons and they'll lock the wings and, and throw the pigeons for the dogs and let them have fun and those, those wings won't flap, you know, and hit the dog in the face and things like that and they're allowing the dog to pick up the bird and run around with it. And again, it's just a happy time, positive association with that bird. So I have personally not done that. I've done similar things. I mean, if you're using a quail, honestly, guys, you don't have much to worry about with a quail. Let the dog have fun with a quail. Yeah, if if the dog happens to, you know, and it's not the end of the world if they do this, if the dog doesn't point and then grabs a quail um, or – Maybe you you're just doing some backyard uh, some yard work in the backyard with a quail doing just legitimate bird intro just uh, exposing him to a bird don't that, that quail's not gonna fight back <laughs> it's a quail yeah so don't be worried about that quails are pretty soft birds they're pretty I mean they're small birds 
And again, it, it's just just put them down. Let the dog have fun. Yeah. You don't put the dog down on the first bird and expect a full-on solid point to flush. That's not what you're going for. You're wanting to associate fun. What does a puppy have fun with? It has fun chasing, finding and chasing. So these people that you know say, I never let my dog chase a bird. Okay, that's your prerogative. Cool. I... I'm of the opinion that it kind of somewhat takes a little bit of drive out of them. If at a very early age you're trying to nip that chase in the in the bud, if you have a good flying birds, you don't have to worry about them catching it. I, I think I might be getting ahead of ourselves here, but I just wanted to bring that up that when somebody says, oh, but I don't want my dog to catch the bird. Okay, it's not the end of the wor- world. Bottom line is you're wanting that dog to have fun with the bird so that it enjoys the experience. And whether it crashes in or not, just don't make a big deal over it. If you make a great big deal because it caught the bird, then it's going to associate good with it. If you, if it catches a bird and you flip out and yell at it or swat it or shock it with the e-collar, whatever, then that dog might shy away from that bird from here on out because it's first experience you got onto it for something as silly as catching a bird. Yeah. So I've seen this as far as, so circling back to like actual bird intro, I've seen this done a couple of ways uh, with quail and chucker um, as far as the first exposure to an upland bird is, I mean, literally just going out, playing it somewhere in the backyard, letting the dog seek, trying to find that bird. And then what Nick's talking about, if he finds it, great, let the dog chase you know, um, so that is like a pointing type of drill or whatever. But I've also seen it literally where they're saying, Hey, look, here's a bird for the first time, dog. This is a bird. I'm showing you this bird. Go have fun with it. Yeah. You know, just and toss it out there. I don't know that there's a right answer to this, but I don't see anything wrong with either method to that first bird contact. It's not like you're taking the dog and you're you're not letting the dog chase and catch birds for six months. This is just the introduction to make sure that the dog, again, you're dealing with another live animal here. So you're, you're losing a little bit of that control overall. There are other methods like you're talking about the, the uh, winged pigeon you can also tie the little rubber hose pigeon like delmar smith used to do Mm -hmm. there's a number of different ways of doing this but bottom line is make it fun you want this dog and this puppy's first time experience with birds and guns and everything else to be the most exciting time the funnest thing that it's ever done in its life and ever going to do in its life and if you do that then you don't have to worry about it going forward so let's hit on, uh, I guess, duck introduction or waterfowl introduction a little bit. You know, here's the only, and I, I, I think that this may come a little later on for most people because most people are exposing their dogs to um, upland birds first, right? Yeah. At least in our world. On land, yeah. Yeah. And so... The deal is, is that I have seen some dogs have a little bit of a hiccup when it comes to ducks, right? Yeah, because they'll they'll make a big jump from they make too big of a jump. Yeah, it's it's one thing when you're going from okay, and and I should preface this by saying a lot of the hiccups that I see 
they don't necessarily come from like a dog, me seeing a dog that doesn't have, that does have a drive for upland birds, but doesn't have a drive for waterfowl, right? It comes from more on the retrieving side where it's like, wow, I'm used to this little quail and then bam, here's this big duck. And I don't know when the right time is to bring this up in the conversation other than me just saying that I think that it can go a long way for you as a dog owner to go ahead and expose your dog early to a larger bird like a water like a duck or something yeah. like that um, and you know allow it to understand okay look there's a variety of these different you know, yeah. upland or, or waterfowl and it goes into birds. what what we we're just talking about earlier the shackle duck for the waterdale a shackle duck i mean honestly with if you especially if you have a young puppy that shouldn't be how you introduce it anyway and you don't even have to introduce it in the water first right you know that when i'm talking about a big jump is some people are like oh hey my dog likes quail it likes to chase quail. Here's a duck, and they go throw it out there in the water, yep. and the dog gets, you know, ducks are powerful swimmers. They're big, big yeah, uh, birds compared to quail, especially in chucker. So that can be intimidating to a young pup. So it's start them out on land with a shackled duck, and then by the bank, and then further and further out, and then you can do away less and less of the shackled. And also, if you're going to be taking your dog – um, duck hunting, especially the retriever people, it's uh, the dog needs to know how a duck reacts and swims unshackled. They need to know that it dives and it needs to know that it can, you know, glide off even with the flight wings jacked up. Uh, a crippled duck can get away in a lot of different things. And so, uh, just introducing the dog to the duck in a manner that it might experience in a hunting situation that's uh that's what you're going for but uh yeah the birds i think again just slow down with it don't go put an eight week old pup on a live pheasant out there and wonder why the dog got intimidated start small yeah. quail chucker small duck and then just work your way up build that drive build that independence up build that confidence and you shouldn't have any issues yeah no i agree and and so we talked about i guess three different types of upland birds i think you have nothing to worry about you have the quail chucker and then pigeons right um as far as introducing whether you're doing an intro in the backyard showing it to them or planting it and letting them go point it if they catch it, I don't think you're, you got anything to worry about with those. You mentioned, you keep mentioning pheasants, okay, and potentially that scaring a dog. I mean, I think that there is a thought out there that pheasants are a little hardier and that they will tend to fight back, you know, or that there is some type of, uh, I don't know, there's... And that they're just, they're not as soft, okay, as these other type of birds. Yeah, I don't think it's that they'll fight back. It's yeah. just, just like you said, they're bigger birds. Yeah. So the the deal is with that, guys, is I didn't want y'all to think that literally, like, these pheasants are going to spur your dog or something, okay? <laughs> like, I've never experienced that. I don't think that's going to happen. It's just that they're bigger birds, and if you're doing, you're exposing your dog early on, uh, like real early, we're talking, you know, 
12 weeks old or something, then you may not want to do a pheasant because that pheasant's probably going to be about the size of your dog. <laughs> Especially if you're doing it planted just to shoot out, you know, let it fly off like a quail or chucker. Uh, especially the male pheasants they get big they cackle when they come up it can be a lot of intimidation for your young pup so uh, generally when we're talking about bird intro those three that you just mentioned quail chucker uh, pigeon that's generally what i suggest do it but need to introduce them to the other species as well uh, especially if you're going to hunt for those species before you go you don't want that first dog's or that dog's first reaction uh, or introduction to that bird be out in a hunting situation, then all of a sudden something bad that's out of your control happens, and then yeah. you're you're just fighting a losing battle at that point. I mean, everything's not – you can reverse and uh, improve on anything that happens, but it's just a matter of how long it's going to take and how much money it's going to cost. And so just doing it right on the front end is going to save you, save you a ton of time and money. Yeah. And so, um, you know, with, with all these intros, you know, you're doing, especially with the water and these bird intros, you're exposing your dog to quite a bit of, of things. Typically I have waited until the last round of puppy shots to do a lot of that. Um, I did do a little slight bird intro before those were done but that was with just a quail and me being like hey here's a quail so i wanted to mention that guys if y'all are wanting to know the time frames on all this intro type work um i typically wait until after that that last round of puppy yep. shots i um austin's a little quicker on the bird intro especially but as far as me i was real quick on the water intro uh and then i don't i don't do gun intro until bird intros done because my gun intro revolves around birds yeah so we probably if we're smart sequence <laughs> it should have started off with the bird intro but hey you know nobody accused us of being smart i don't think but yeah so time time wise it, it depends on your dog it depends on the breed it depends on the uh the confidence level of that dog we've seen puppies that come out come out they just show up and they're bulletproof and then you have other dogs that you can just look at them and be like, hey, we really need to go at this with a soft hand and make sure that this is done right. And so it's up to you to know your dog. And uh, it, there's no rush. There really isn't. Uh, no matter what, your dog, it's, it's a puppy. You're not going to go hunt and, or do a finished dog test with it at six, seven months old. So don't feel like you get this dog say it's you know you get it home in october november and depending on where you live in the states it's this winter everywhere it's like oh crap don't i gotta get this dog in water i gotta hunt it this season yeah just wait till next season yeah and i you know uh, these dogs cash i waited until he was I think he was five, maybe six months old before he got in the water the first time just because his birthday, how it worked out. You know, I mean, just be reasonable with it and don't throw your dog in cold water. Just take your time. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's no rush on it. And so uh, a lot of this stuff, this, this goes right in hand. We've been getting asked a lot lately and it's, it's just a time of year. It's just, it's the beginning of hunting season, especially depending on what type of hunting you do and where you live. It's the beginning of the hunting season. So we get asked a lot from people right now. Hey, how soon is too soon to hunt your dog? 
hunt your puppy. And it seems to be kind of a pretty, I'm not, I'm not going to say unanimous, but it's, it's a consistent answer. If your dog is properly introduced to birds and gunfire, take your dog hunting. And your dog can recall. <laughs> yeah. The, with the basic obedience, that should definitely be there. So have your basic yard work, uh, introduction to gunfire and birds, and then go hunting. And this, but we got to preface that by saying here, like you talked about earlier, don't go hunting with a party of four or five people. No, no. This is with you and your buddy or just you. Yeah. And, and I advise for a while, for the first season or two, primarily using your new dog by itself. Yeah. It can learn a lot of things from older dogs. It can learn how to pace itself. It can learn how to even pick up on search. It can learn a few things from that older dog, but ultimately your dog is going to need to learn how to hunt independently and confidently, and it's not going to do that by relying on an older dog to show its way around. So ideally, you're taking that dog out by yourself and maybe a buddy or, you know, family member or something. But, yeah, you're not going out there with a six-man duck blind and shooting around that puppy just because it was introduced to gunfire two weeks prior. Yeah. And to piggyback on what you talked about a minute ago about the um, hunting by yourself or the dog at least being having one dog in the field, as far as an intro to hunting, I think that's great. You know, I think that – you need to hunt that dog by itself and let it develop its own confidence in the hunting. If you can, if you're in a bird rich environment, just do that because it's going to learn more hunting by itself in a bird rich environment than it will. If it's a puppy, it's going to chase around that other dog for an hour or two before it actually realizes it's hunting, you know? And so if you're in a bird rich environment and it's out there and it's only choice is to go out and search and it comes across those birds, in my opinion, I believe that it's going to connect the dots a little quicker. True story. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I guess the only other intro introduction that we could talk about and we thought about doing it was the e-collar. Uh, we're going to save that because I think later on we're going to do a full-on e-collar yeah, episode. we need to devote a lot more time than 10 or 15 minutes to e-collar yeah. intro. Yeah, so that's just a little too important. Uh, too many things can go wrong. Uh, just too much to cover uh, real quick for a quick episode like this one right now. And uh, so we're going to touch on that later. So don't feel like we skipped over it. It's coming. Uh, don't know how soon, but it's on the docket. We'll get to it eventually. But uh, I think... Unless you got something else, I think that's that's all I've got, and I'm ready to hit hit the bed and uh, get up and go chase some grouse and woodcock again in the morning. Yeah, I'm ready to get cashed to the vet and let me hear that freaking. I don't know. I'm just ready to get this over with. See how it goes. <laughs> I just want to know if he's going to be able to hunt. My goal was I wanted him this week to get a bird on his first birthday, and if I can't do that. Because of this freaking porcupine, I'm going to go find that damn thing. I didn't even think about it, guys. Like, they were like, did you kill the porcupine? The number one question he's gotten since then from everybody is, did you kill the porcupine? He's and like, I was like, I didn't even see hell it. Hell no. I was so freaking, like, freaked out that he was, like, squealing, you know, 100 yards away from me. The, my first thought was, get to him. 
figure out what's going on. And then, you know, once I saw that, I was like, my first thought was I'm pulling out all the stuff in his mouth so he doesn't swallow anything and then get back to the truck as fast as possible. So I'm sure it was around over there because he didn't move from the time I first heard him crying. But hey, I'm ready to get to the vet, see what they have to say. I'm ready to get Scout in the woods tomorrow more and get him some contacts and just go at it. Going to get Scout's introduction to porcupines done tomorrow? Dude, if he gets hit by a porcupine, actually, <laughs> I take that back. You're just headed he, home at that point. <laughs> he, yeah, I will. I'll head up. I'll drive back. <laughs> he had a little intro. Um, we were in the Dakotas. Uh, we were in South Dakota. Uh, there was like an, I don't know the, it was like a, it was an injured porcupine that he kind of acted. Luckily, he got real weird and he was very close. He was like 15 yards from me when I saw it and he was acting like he wasn't pointing in or anything, but he had his nose down and you could just tell he was kind of weirded out by it. And I just instinctively called him off of it and we went over there and there it was. So he's had kind of an intro, but shoot, man, Cash got the full on thing. Oh, you didn't have that. I'm good. I don't want it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, on that note, on that sour note, we'll let everybody know how old Cashman does. Maybe give an update uh, here soon. But, uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. And uh, sorry if it was a little slower tonight. We're a little tired. And uh, we're going to go to bed and get up and chase some more birds tomorrow. That's right. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. Yeah, we'll see y'all next week. Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high grade lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup, just have to replace it again and again year go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want if you're considering changing your dog's food soon then be sure to check out yukanuba pro performance their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance they also now have the new puppy formula to help your pup start strong and live active when looking at all the different food options remember yukanuba to help power their ultimate performance Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Ducks Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.